<laughs> that is a fantastic way to start uh, the first home recorded episode of Swag Tear. Oh, that was a pretty sad burp, I'll be honest. It, I wasn't going to point that out, but it was just kind of like a puff of air, like right. a. It was just kind of like a burp that that happened to escape, and it was so glad at its freedom that it decided not to push its luck and try to make it something more than it was. Like a surprise. <laughs> the girl that was sitting next to me in class today, she made some weird noises at one point, and I wasn't really sure if she was okay or like if she needed some help. <laughs> Were these noises that like came from her gut or no. from her throat? It kind of it kind of sounded like it came from the devil, to be honest. <laughs> what? <laughs> Like, she needed an exorcism or something. And then, like, as soon as it started, like, it was over. And I didn't want to be like, hey, was that you? Because <laughs> it was definitely her. But, I mean, all of a sudden, when you hear, like, a... Oh! <laughs> I, can't even, I, can't, I can't even do it without laughing. It sounds like someone from Dragon Ball Z, to be honest. Or, or the devil. <laughs> but it was definitely, like, a low, like... Oh! And I was like, damn, girl, you Okay. <laughs> she's such a tiny little girl too so i'm not really sure where it came from from the devil i suppose <laughs> from the devil oh man we're already taking our podcast with a religious slant well you know devil don't give a shit <laughs> that's true honey badger don't give a shit <laughs> neither does the devil <laughs> so that's a that's actually a surprisingly good segue oh great so one of the pieces of swag that was given out at PAX South 2016 were Super Fight cards. Oh, yeah. Super Fight is a card game that has you pick a light card fighter or a light card with a, a fighter on it, such as Jedi Narwhal or Donald Trump's sentient hair, and then pick a dark card with a modifier on it, like has giant mechanical gorilla arms. Or, this was the segue, has a heat-seeking honey badgered launcher. So PAX had nine exclusive Super Fight cards that were given away in their swag bags. But then Megan and I, I think on our second day, as we were wandering around the tabletop area at night, saw that they just left out like big freaking stacks of each of the nine unique Super Fight cards. So I went a little ham on those brought them back because I always like bringing back a bit of swag for people at my office so we can have a conversation piece to chat over as they ask me how my vacation went. So working in a group of developers and fellow video game nerds, we absolutely loved these cards. How the game works is that you draw uh, the fighter, you draw the modifier, and that forms your fighter. You then have to debate with the other people who have drawn their own fighters and their own modifiers, who would win in a fight, one-on-one, -on -one, and then the other players will vote after you know, 20 seconds or 30 seconds on who actually would win in that fight. So was this a game that you actually played before PAX, or are you a player now after PAX? I had not played it before PAX. In fact, right before I was giving these cards out, I had to read up on Super Fight on Board Game Geek and figure out the rules to it. I've seen them at lots of other PAXs, but I've never actually looked into the game. And admittedly, I'm still not a player of Super Fight. You know, I have the nine cards that were exclusive to PAX South, and that's pretty much it. That said, really cute idea. 
cute being my catch-all word for anything I really enjoy, such as Gears of War, Chainsaw Melee mechanics being cute. And uh, yeah, it, it got a big kick out of my coworkers, so plus one to Super Fight. I wonder how they would have felt about that dating game. I don't even remember what it was called. Would you rather or something like that? Right, the dating game, also the Super Fight booth, actually. Well, it's the same maker, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That game tickled my fancy. Right, that game was called Red Flags. Oh, wow, I wasn't even close. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. It came in a red box, and it was all about putting out attractive dating partners and then having your opponents play red flag cards to try to dissuade the voters about whether or not they would date that person versus the opponent's person. I'm trying to remember what my first ones were when we played the little demo. I think I had someone who had beautiful eyes, and then I had someone who... I don't remember. But I do remember the two modifiers, and the one who had beautiful eyes didn't understand any of my jokes or think they were funny. And the other modifier for whatever this other person was was they had a thousand horses, which was terrible. So I was the one who played Beautiful Eyes because I knew that would draw you in. And then Joey, in response to that, played the doesn't understand any of your jokes. I thought that was going to be what killed it. Well, it's her life story. So, (laughs) and I guess mine. And Joey, I think it was Joey who picked the perk for her card. You know, this was like the thing that was supposed to redeem this person as someone to date just like my beautiful eyes were she had picked the hundred horses and was it a hundred or a thousand it was a hundred oh god that's so much better than a thousand and the hundred horses was supposed to be a positive but for you it was the exact opposite (laughs) oh that's right she thought they were like zebras i forgot you vehemently were like this is not a plus this is a red flag to me I don't want to be at around 100 horses. And then I was like, yeah, I mean, think about how much poop 100 horses would have. I forget what red flag I played on Joey's 100 horses. It must not have even been that big of a deal because, I mean, 100 horses already, was already pretty bad for you. Oh, God. 100 horses. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so awful. I mean, like, think about the, the pen space, like the stable space you'd have to have just for that 100 horses. Think about all the hay you'd have to have. <laughs> Who wants all that fucking hay laying around? Someone with a major equestrian proclivity, maybe. Ugh. I'd like someone with 100 headbands. <laughs> Were there any pieces of swag that you had gotten from the convention you want to mention? I got that slap bracelet that I've been wearing every day, and I've had a number of comments on. People are like, holy crap, is that a slap bracelet? I haven't seen that since the 90s. <laughs> this was the slap bracelet you got from the merch booth for buying, uh, what was it, like $65 worth of stuff? I think it was like $100 worth of stuff, but maybe I did that wrong. I know there's definitely like three tiers of what you're supposed to buy, and I can't imagine they want you to spend $100 to get a slap bracelet. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the, the 35 tier was... It's something small like a patch or a sticker or something. The middle tier at 65 was a slap bracelet. And then the high tier must have been the merch pin, right? Uh, yeah. The highest one is always the merch pin. I think it's a beautiful slap bracelet. Would buy again. My Korean tutor tried it out tonight and was quick to be like, Oh! Oh! Ow! You can have it back! <laughs> Apparently it hurt. I got a kick out of it. And she got a slap out of it, so. Other than that... I don't think that there was anything. I mean, I like my gecko, but we talked about that. Right, the TSM gecko. Yeah, well, I would like to leave the TSM part out. 
there go any TSM sponsorships. Oh, well, speaking of sponsorships, not that we have one, but I saw today that Loot Crate just announced their new gaming crate, which I thought was pretty cool. Because that's one reason that I have, I guess, shied away from Loot Crate is because I didn't feel like they had enough gaming stuff in there. So now this is perfect for me. Yeah, I mean, tell me a little bit about that. I saw they had a booth, but I didn't really take a look at what Loot Gaming was. I don't think they actually had loot gaming at the convention. I mean, I could be wrong on that. I didn't actually go to the booth because I didn't want to get roped into another (laughs) subscription. I have a really hard time saying no. And I do like Loot Crate. I had a subscription for, I think, like three or four months and I did enjoy it. But I just felt like I enjoyed mostly one or two pieces out of everything that I got. And the rest I was kind of like, eh, I could take it or leave it. It'll probably end up at Goodwill and... I didn't feel like I wanted to collect things and end up having a bunch of crap to go through to send to Goodwill or take to Goodwill. But I got an email today from Loot Crate because I still get their emails saying that they just announced Loot Crate Gaming. And they've been doing some specialty crates recently because I know I saw a loot anime and I definitely know they have like a loot pets. And that's something I've considered subscribing to just for Frisbee because I think it'd be kind of fun to have some you know, nerdy stuff for her, but she's got more toys than I do, so she doesn't really need anything else. But Loot Gaming looks like it's going to have some good stuff. I thought some of the names that I saw, I think, were, I saw Halo, I saw Street Fighter. I definitely think a a video game specific or video game relevant Loot Crate would be more up my alley than the the generic Loot Crates. Yeah, that's definitely the case for me, because, I mean, while I enjoy things, you know, franchises like Star Wars and... I don't know what are some of the other big ones. I guess they've had like Power Ranger stuff and James Bond stuff. You know, I'm not as crazy about it as I am about gaming in general. So this is definitely more up my alley. And then there's always stuff, you know, that I just don't even like. I don't know anything about Doctor Who and that's of no interest to me. And Star Trek as well is pretty low on the interest scale. You know, maybe this was uh, the lead in to loot gaming, but apparently at the Loot Crate panel, which we ultimately decided not to go to. And I think that was a fine call because we still had a really good convention. They gave away Destiny branded socks. Oh, what? That would have been pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been really cool. Let's get on eBay. Let's see what what they're selling for. $10 or less, I'll buy them. I still regret not getting back at one of the, I want to say it was PAX Prime 2013, maybe. PopCap was there and they were giving away little plushies. I'm sure you remember those. They had like a little skull plushie and they had a little mushroom plushie. I never got the mushroom one. And I remember looking on eBay and wanting to buy it. And it was really cheap, like four or five dollars. And I just never bought it. And to this day, I am sorry. All right. Well, you know, I'm looking at these eBay listings. And also, thanks to the mute button, you didn't hear my frantic typing. So they're actually pretty subtle. They are a black and gray sock with a orange band. They have a sort of subtle pattern on them that is likely some of the emblems that you'll see in the game. As someone obsessed with the game, you would think I would have I would be better with a spot-on recognition of the Vanguard symbol, but I'm not. What I can recognize is that they are men's crew socks, sock size 10 to 13, which apparently means fits shoe sizes 6 to 12. That seems like an insane range to me. Yeah, I think that's true for like feet and socks in general. They have like one size fits all and then one size fits the rest. Well, as someone who wears a size 7 sock, I will, or rather a seven, size 7 shoe. God, even I have a bigger foot than you. I will tell you that one size definitely does not fit all. 
at least not unless you want the heel of the sock to come up to your ankle. <laughs> Megan, you can have these one size fits all as long as you're within shoe sizes 6 to 12 and you don't mind ankle heels for, looks like, yeah, a little, a little more than $10 ship. Well, I might indulge. The other thing that I'm planning on indulging in tonight is a Cloud 9 hoodie, which I saw a few people walking around in. It's a nice white hoodie with, you know, some sponsor logos on the back and then the blue Cloud 9 logo on the sleeve and possibly probably the front. I did look that up and I am very interested in buying it, especially because they said that it's, they had a little banner that was like, get yours now before you can't ever get it again. And I was like, well, they know their audience. So I I have always really liked their color palette and graphic design. Absolutely. I love their color palette and I really just like them. How much is the hoodie running? I'm trying to think what I saw. I want to say it was like 30 or $40. Okay. Something around there. Not ridiculous for a hoodie. Yeah. No, not ridiculous. I mean, I think the ones that I've bought at Express are like 40. So you said something earlier about how even though we had or we skipped that loot crate panel, we still had a good packs. And I had mentioned to you before that this was definitely my favorite PAX out of all the PAXs that we've been to. And I think, you know, we've been going together since 2010 now. And I think this one really was so great for me because, well, first of all, I really liked the location. I mean, it was kind of nice to go somewhere new for once because, you know, once you go to Prime and East like multiple times, you know, the scene is not really that different Mm -hmm. from year to year. So it was nice, you know, for a new location. The weather was fantastic the whole weekend. Well, it's it started at like the high 40s something like that but then climbed up to to 80 degrees by the end of the weekend oh yeah yeah that last day was definitely a short day but i you know i enjoyed the river walk and i enjoyed the plethora of restaurants you know we really didn't have to wait anywhere if we didn't want to because i feel like when we go to east like we're always waiting at the restaurant and if you're at prime like forget it like the cheesecake <laughs> factory is a nightmare across the street and even like that little tiny subway right outside is a huge weight. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, at East, you, you have to really travel away from the convention center to find some place that's not a waterfront restaurant. And even the waterfront restaurants are really busy. And then at Prime, you know, you would think being in the city center, you would have tons of restaurants. But it's, yeah, it's, it's a little tough to find some place that's not overrun. Yeah, so that was like one aspect I really enjoyed was pretty almost instantaneous seating. Yeah, and there definitely were, there were a lot of people eating. And you know, we did have, we did confront some weights, but we were able to find places that had a much shorter weight. And, you know, when we took a you know, five minute Uber to Augie's or Rosario's, there were definitely fewer PAX people, but we still, at least at Rosario's, I had spotted a couple of people wearing the bright orange tiny build hats. Yeah, that's true. But I think also like the food options. I mean, Mexican is my absolute, well, I shouldn't say absolute, but my one of my favorite cuisines. I enjoyed having lots of Mexican options and the barbecue was good. The steaks were good. It was a great location, I thought. And then, in you know, in terms of the actual convention itself, I liked that it was smaller. I liked that it didn't sell out. I didn't feel like the crowds and the lines were overwhelming like they are at some of the other conventions. And I really kind of liked that there weren't big name companies there, you know, no Microsoft, no Sony, no Nintendo. But, you know, I feel like that's okay because I already know what they're coming out with. Like, I've already heard it. I've seen it in my news feed. I've seen it on the gaming websites that I frequent. And this kind of gave me an opportunity to check out stuff that I hadn't heard of yet. And I felt more knowledgeable isn't right, really the right word, but 
I felt like I had a better experience because I tried so many new things. Right. It was more of a um, a surprise experience. Like, I don't know what's in store right. today. That sense of sort of wonder and amazement at the things that you are not expecting to see, but that show up and surprise you. Yeah, that's exactly why I love going around the indie areas at East and at Prime and now at South, because you'll find games like, was it Death Stairs? Death Stairs, yes, that game. <laughs> Which is a game where four-player co-op, one person, or three people are trying to run up a series of stairs, while one person is commanding a turret at the top of the stairs, throwing beach balls, dodgeballs, and mines at them. Like, that's a game that we would never have found at a larger convention, because it would have been drowned out by the noise of the larger companies. But was a game that was hilarious to play. We just jumped straight into, had a great time with, and, and still stuck with us days after the convention. Yep, definitely true. And I feel like in a convention where we would have been pressured to go to the Riot booth or participate in some mega auction or mega in some mega raffle. Panel. Right, or wait two hours in line for a panel. Staying to play Death Stairs or even just finding Death Stairs would have quickly dropped off. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's, you know, what really made this convention so great for me and so refreshing. It definitely was a nice change of pace. Sort of clean the palette a little. Yep. You know, that said, it, it definitely felt like there was a there was a big gap left by the larger companies. I don't know. I, I feel like there, no, it's hard for me to put into words. It's like there was a feeling that had been instilled in me through all the other PAX Primes and PAX Easts where developers come in and they go all out and that's the imprint PAX has left on me and coming to this PAX South where things are much calmer and quieter and you don't have every 30 to 60 minutes some crazy crowd in front of a raffle being fired up in order to draw in more people it felt like this PAX definitely had that different signature and almost didn't feel like a definitely didn't feel like all the other PAXs I don't want to say definitely didn't feel like a PAX but it stands out in my mind. Yep, me too. So it's safe to say that I'll be looking forward to South next year. <laughs> 2017. But we still have a whole year of conventions ahead of us. I'm planning to go to the Music and Gaming Festival, otherwise known as MAGFest, in uh, Maryland's National Harbor later this month. And planning on PAX Prime in Seattle, potentially PAX East in Boston, Depending on finding a reasonably priced hotel. Right, that's not $500 a night. Right. What's on your schedule for this year? Well, definitely PAX East. It's an easy mega bus ride away for me. And in fact, I actually just booked tickets. They ended up being either $1 each or $5 each, which is fantastic value if you're willing to put up with a four-hour close-quarter bus ride that may or may not catch on fire. Then PAX Prime later this year and shortly after pax prime i made it a habit to go to the boston festival of indie games which is exactly the sort of death stairs surprise hit experience brought into a single convention made very chill made very low-key and honestly made very cheap that's my convention lineup you know i've got a, a bit of extra vacation time this year and i'm not sure yet if i want to use it on a board game convention like board game geek con the hotels and logistics might be a bit much well that's understandable i mean the stuff definitely the prices of things definitely add up 
one of the other conventions that I'm considering going to is uh, AwesomeCon down in Washington, D.C. this summer. Man. This convention, I think, I want to say this is its fourth year. That sounds about right. And it's grown, like, tremendously in the, the few short years that it has been around. The first year was really, really tiny and just, like, really not much there, not not very many panels. The dealer's room, I guess it is. I can never keep track of whether it's an expo hall or a dealer's room or a, <laughs> a what. But it was just, it was tiny. It was like a little artist's alley, if anything at all. AwesomeCon is, is more of a geek convention than than anything. It's not really specific towards games or TV or comics. It's kind of all of the above. But last year... Well, so I went the first year in 2012, and then I skipped 2000... Was 2012 the first year? That doesn't sound right. Yeah, no. 2012 would be five years ago. So the first one was in 2013, and I went. I was very underwhelmed by the lack of presentation. And then I skipped 2014, because I was like, I didn't like this last year. Why would I go again this year? And then I ended up going last year in 2015, because... Uh, I just, I was still on their mailing list and I kept getting emails and emails and emails about their guest list and the people that were going to be there. And it was just insane. They had like the whole cast of the voice actors for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the Power Rangers. And they had a bunch of people from Buffy come. They had George Takei and William Shatner. And it was just, you know, a lot of big names and some smaller ones too. But just the sheer size of the guest list. I mean, I want to say there must have been at least... 50 to 75 people, like really famous people that were there signing autographs and taking pictures. And it was just, it was a really good show. So I'm planning on doing that again this year and we'll see, you know, how much it's grown again in just one more year. But going back to your price thing, it, you know, it does, it gets pricey to go to these conventions. I think the weekend pass for this convention is, I want to say like $100 or something. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you got to pay for food and all these photo ops with these people and autographs that all cost money too and it just it adds up quickly definitely you know one of the conventions i've wanted to go to or i've been to in new york before uh, has been indiecade east which is a sort of curated list of indie games that have been selected by panels and i've seen a lot of good games there in the one I went to, I saw Guacamelee, I saw Dyad, Bloop, and that was a really fun experience. And being a local experience for me, because I'm in New York City, that was perfect. But the ticket prices have been increasing and increasing and increasing. And I think they came from like $30 for the one day or $30 for the two day convention to now $100. And it's, I don't know, it's a bit of a barrier to entry. Well, I definitely agree with that. But, you know, the sad part is there's just so much demand for these conventions that they're going to be able to keep hiking the prices up as much as they want. And, you know, they're still going to sell out packs for sure. Mm-hmm. Packs these prices have been climbing up. Yep. What were they this year? Like 105 or something yeah, like that? They definitely surpassed 100. Um, whereas Pack South, I think, was even 75. 75. For the three days. Yeah. And then, you know, that's assuming you can get a, a three-day pass for Pax East, which is very difficult. If you have to go the three one-day passes, oh man, I forget how much that is. You know, maybe like 150 one, altogether. Yeah, I was going to say 140 or something for mm-hmm. sure. 
So, I mean, honestly, pales in comparison to hotel fees and a flight, if you have to manage that, but still not, not negligible. But worth it in the end. I haven't regretted a single convention I've been to, whether Me that's neither. been, you know, these PAXs or Festival of Indie Games, IndieCade, or even freaking Tokyo Game Show, Convention Addicts. It literally takes up all of my vacation time. Screw vacation with the family. We're going to the convention. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> all right. And this has been Spike Tier. Yo, yo. Yo, yo. Signing out. No! <laughs> God damn it, Frisbee. Shut up. No.